1: When is the last time you put your heart, soul, and all your strength into a project or pursuit? That act of putting your all into an endeavor represents your passion for the task at hand. We all have passions, but too many times it seems we allow the world to misguide or dull them. Listening today as Pastor Rander challenges us to make sure we focus our passions in the right direction in this message, Where is Your Passion for Christ? He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. Number four, how do you know when you lost your Passion. You have lost your passion when your motives are no longer pure, when they are not pure. Oh, I love these scriptures on this. When your motives are, are not pure. That's huge because because uh, you can do things, good things with a bad motive. And then you can can just go all kinds of ways with that. Uh, <laughs> let me give you some examples, Examples scripturally. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 27. Proverbs 21, 27, it says, God loathes. In other words, he hates, he despises the, the, the sacrifice of an evil person. Especially when it is brought with ulterior motives. That's the New Living Translation there. I like that translation on that particular scripture. Uh, evil persons and, uh, you, Christians can do evil things. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 35. If you can just keep on turning while you're turning. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 35, it says, uh, motives here. I'm dealing with motives, ulterior motives, bad motives. It, it says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. In other words, is you are never to get even. Even when it looks like you're doing good, but underneath, Your your motive is to get even. Uh, Romans 12, 17. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil. If someone do you evil and you do them evil back, then you're no better than the person who did evil to you. Why don't you say amen? Repay no one evil for evil. God never says, get them back. And I'm going to tell you something, some of you, you may not slap them, you may not cuss them, but you harbor a bitterness against them, holding a grudge against them. That is absolutely evil. Not letting it go, putting them in your dog house, and they've been there 30 years. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Some of you, you, your husband got their wives in the doghouse and some wives got their husbands in the doghouse and the poor husband don't even know they've been in the doghouse. (laughs) That's evil. That's evil and you do little things subtly or you have a silence about yourself or you pout in such a way of something that disturbed you and you gleefully hang on to it because that's satisfying to you and, 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 and brothers and sisters, that makes God sick. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Number five, you have lost your passion when a hardness of heart listen, suppresses, the word is suppresses, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. You have lost your passion when a hardness of heart suppresses the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5, 19a says, do not quench the spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Do you realize every time the word tells you to do something and you fix your heart to say what you're not going to do, even though the word says do it, there's a little bit more hardening of your heart. I mean, every time you go against what the law of God mandates us to do, there is another degree of hardness that comes upon you to the point that the Holy Ghost no longer convicts you as he used to because you have set your heart against the divine law of God. You understand what I'm saying? And that's a hard, you, you can reject coming to Christ so long until it doesn't even—I mean, you—you you just hard to it. Uh, You—you—you—and you, it, 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 it doesn't phase you anymore. Uh, number six, you have lost your passion when you can no longer say, like the psalmist, "I was glad." Some of y'all knew that one, right? Glad when they said unto me, "Let us what go into the house of the Lord." Psalms one twenty two one, go into the house of the Lord. When you know you've lost your passion when it's a struggle for you to get here. And, and uh, like I said earlier, you got to drag yourself in. Everything's an issue. Uh, I got to serve in ministry. I got to come out. I got to bring my children. If I'd have to bring them to the re- rehearsal for the resurrection program, uh, the black history program, uh, uh, the Christmas program, or uh, the play, uh, uh, the rehearse with the cherubims, I could have stayed home. But, well, but they sang on Sunday. They sang on Sunday. I'm gonna tell you something. You know you've lost your passion. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It's not written down, but it just came to me. When you drop your children off, because you know they're gonna be here from 6:30 to nine on Wednesdays, while you go on down to the forum and then you come back and pick them up at nine. You haven't gone to men's and women's. You haven't gone to Bible study. You go. You don't go pray. It's just a convenient drop off. Go and pick up. Now, you know what? You haven't lost your passion. You lost more than that. This, this, th- 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 that's not a nursery for you to go do your stuff. That's the epitome of selfishness. And that's exploiting the ministry of God. And you you can drive and go shop and do your nails and hair and go to Petsmart and come back here and be happy. Pick up them kids and go home and go to bed and snore. Something's wrong with your passion. Bring them. You bring them and you stay yourself right here. You've lost your passion when you can rehearse for choir rehearsal and can't stay for prayer meeting. Can't stay for the word. Lost your passion. Lost your passion. Some of y'all been lost it. And this message is to wake you up. Oh, God help me. Number seven. You've lost your passion when your influence no longer glorifies Christ, but is used for selfishness, power, and control. Your influence is no longer, it no longer glorifies Christ, but is used for selfishness, Power and control. That Jeremiah 15, 19 passage is a powerful passage. Jeremiah 15, 19. Look what it says. It says, the Lord replied, if you return to me, that's conditional, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. Now, you know what? I love that. If you return to me, I will what? Restore you so you can, so continue to serve me. You know what? Let me just hold on with that point. I got to say something right there. God just gave oh thank you Holy Ghost. Listen how many of y'all been sick before and God made you well? How many of you been on an operating table and God got you up? How many of you been in a wreck and you came, you came through? How many of you had your back against the wall and God delivered you? Now here's the question. You say boy it's a setup. It sure is. Why did God do that for you? <laughs> I like that. Why did God do that for you? Why did he do that for you? It's in this passage. I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. Did you get that? That's in that passage. Jeremiah fifteen nineteen. So you can continue. Oh, she was so delightful. Just like Darkus, they were crying and whining over, crying over because of her good works. He raises you. He delivers you. He comes through on your behalf so you can do more for him than you ever, that you've, than you've ever done before. So you can continue to serve me. God doesn't do all that for you to be full of yourself. He doesn't do more. He don't do more for you. So you get drunk on your selfishness so that you can continue to serve me and serve me. I don't want to rust out. I want to wear out. And God takes delight so you can continue to serve me. If you speak words that are worthy, you will be my spokesman. Wow. You are to influence them. I love that. Do not let them influence you. And some of you all have been influenced instead of being the influence, be, being the what? Influencer? Oh, how you say that? Influ- Am I saying that right? Influencer. You know, you're the influencee. Won't y'all say amen? <laughs> I got it out. I haven't said that one before. <laughs> but anyway, it's a word. Uh <laughs> Oh, God, help me with this passage. How many of you know, how many of you in here have, have influence? Raise your hands. Now, if you don't raise your hand, you're not telling the truth. All of you in here, whether you know it not, you are influencing somebody. You're influencing your neighbor, your child, your grandchild, your co-worker, uh, a member in the church. you influencing the person sitting next to you by grumbling, a mumbling, won't say amen. Just, I mean, that's influence. All of you in here are influencers. You influencing somebody, and, and and so so you can either use your influence to glorify God, or you can influence use your influence to glorify Satan and yourself to your own spiritual demise. And God has given God has given me and my wife tremendous influence, not just on uh, in here San Antonio. But we get letters all in Austin, all down in South Texas. We Listen, I, five million over in Uganda and all them places. We're influencing people globally to speak worthy and speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we use our influence to help make folk better. The goal is not to make folk like me. The goal is not so they can follow my agenda the, the, it is to shape them to be uniquely them to the glory of God my design is not to have a bunch of draplets. no 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 that's not my design i just want you you are you are uniquely you you are fearfully and wonderfully made there is not, no one like you and you to use all that god listen all of us are a sum total Of what has been deposited into us by others. Be it aunt, grandmother, some teacher, a mentor, whomever. And you are to use all that has been deposited into you, and you are to take that and reinvest it so that God can use your hands uh, as His tools to get folk to Jesus. You know, you're not to influence them through emails and influence them through thoughts, trying, they can't cultivate their own mind for Christ because you're so busy trying to shape their thinking in a certain direction. Look how quiet it gets in here. And some people can't think for themselves because you do too much thinking for them. Oh God, look, are are y'all still there? They can't think for themselves because you God, Here's what you ought to do. When you going to send folk back to God? You're so busy trying to shape them, trying to guide them, trying to power play, control, and it's selfishness and it's evil. Number eight, you know you've lost your passion when you are no longer spiritually attractive to the saints. When you're no longer what? Spiritually attractive to the saints, you have lost your passion. Uh, Proverbs 19.22 says, I love this. Proverbs 90, Proverbs 19, 22 says loyalty makes a person attractive. You can be so loyal until your loyalty attract folk to you. First Timothy 2, 10 B says who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Folk are attracted to you by the good things uh, you do. Now my question I pose to you now: This is a convicted sermon today, y'all. How how attractive are you? Who seeks you out? Who seeks your counsel? Who wants to be? Who's trying to run down and get to you before church turn out? Sometimes they can't get to you because you so busy trying to get to the door. If they wanted you, they couldn't find you because you you gone. You can't hang around shake five hands. I gotta get out of here to go where that brunch is not going anywhere to do what? And what I'm saying is that you ought to be attractive. Folk ought to want to be in your presence. Now, you know what? If nobody want to be around you and everybody's dodging you, even the baby's scared of you. (laughs) Now, you need to go search yourself. Even babies know when you don't like them. Won't y'all say amen? amen? How attractive are you? What impact are you making? You can be a, a, a giant in the world and a hero in the world and a zero in the church when it comes to your being attractive. Tr- attractive, you so you you got the sweetness of Jesus uh, like honey all over you. You drooling, you drooping, and it's all over you. And folk, they they, you can't get rid of them. In conclusion, how does one renew his passion? How does one renew his passion? Number one, ask God to revive you according to his word. The word of God brings revival. Psalms 119, 154, B says, revive me according to your word. Okay. The word will revive you if you get in it and meditate on it. Number two, we must ask the Lord to create in us a what kind of heart? A clean heart. There you go. A clean heart. Psalms 51 10 says, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. You can't be attractive with a dirty heart and all that garbage in your heart. Gonna pull you down and gonna pull other folk down because something happened to you. And so you miserable. You, you want everybody else to, to feel some kind of sense of fate, your heart ought to be clean. Uh, number three, ask the Lord to restore the joy of your salvation and give you a heart that yearns to obey God. Restore. Some of you already in this year, your joy is gone. You let stuff and issues beat you up because of your lack of gratitude or maybe You lost your joy because you just can't be patient and wait on God to work things out that you want worked out. And you lose your joy because it's not happening when you want it. Let me tell you something. God is not on your time schedule. Restore. Some of y'all lost your joy because you just can't wait. You always in a hurry and you hurry out your joy. You in a hurry. You hurry out your joy. Uh Psalms 5112 says, Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Number four, we must meditate on the right things. That's that's how you get your passion back by meditating on the right thing. Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just pure, lovely, Good report, if there are any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You can't meditate on pornography and be blessed by God. You can't be an adulteress, caught up in adultery and gambling and whoremongering and lying and gossip and, and soap operas and all of this stuff. And think in every kind of reality show under the sun, you tuning into it, you got more reality shows in you than you do the Bible. And wonder why you don't have any joy. You're just full of game shows. <laughs> Dancing with the stars. You better learn to dance with Jesus. will <laughs> not y'all say amen. amen. Number five, focus on the brevity of life. That's how you get your passion back. Focus on the brevity of life. James 4, 14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, brevity, the shortness, the briefness, the quickness of life. Listen, time is wrapping up. It is winding down. And we are closer to the grave than we are uh, the cradle. Do you not know that? I'm going to tell you something. Let me give you a bigger thought. We are closer to going to heaven if you know him and hell if you don't know him than we were yesterday. Now, that's a big thought. That's a big thought. You're closer today to heaven or hell. Predicated on who you have a relationship with. Uh, Number six, you get your passion by realizing that you need to live your life in light of the soon return of our Lord, live your life in light of the soon return of the Lord. How many of you know He's coming back again? When you live your life in light of his, uh, in light of His coming, that creates a passion to no end. Second Timothy four seven and eight says, "Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will give to me on that day. Now, what day? The day of His coming." And Not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God is coming back again. And when I think about God could come the next moment, God could come right when I'm preaching this message. When I think about the fact that God could come by midday in in the middle of your brunch. Uh, when I think about God could come by midnight tonight or maybe Wednesday or maybe he'll come in February or maybe he'll come on Resurrection Sunday. Maybe he'll come on April Fool's Day, and, you know, uh, whatever day. But but he's going to come when you least expect. And the question is, are you Ready? When you live life in light of His return, you get in a hurry and get with the kingdom program. Uh, number seven, I love this. Expect God to perform what? Yeah, See, so you got it. I didn't have to say miracles in your life and among His people. Ah, oh, how many are you expecting God to work some miracles? I'm I'm, I'm, anticip- I'm anticipating some miracles. If you don't expect nothing, you won't get nothing. Let me show you a great great scripture. To inspire you to to trust God for miracles, look at Joshua chapter three verse five, and then color code it, underline it, circle it, do quick quotation. Do something with it. But for heaven's sake, I love this verse. Ah, it says in Joshua three five, and Joshua said to the people, "Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders." Among you Ah, tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And do you realize church for us as a church, for we as a church, all of us, our tomorrow is today. Do you realize all the wonders God has already performed in the life of this church? We don't even have to say tomorrow. Look what he has done today. Not to mention yesterday. God, if I don't see a tomorrow, you've shown me many miracles. But in spite of what you show me, I'm, ex- I'm still uh, believing you for a miracle tomorrow. You know, when you think start thinking about what God can do in spite of where you are, it'll lift you out of your depression, your, your blues, uh, and all of that. When you start believing God to perform miracles, he is still a miracle-working God. You say, why don't I see these miracles in my life? Because of your lack of faith or because of your rebellion to the word word, or because you're too full of your own self, your schedule and your selfishness. And so you, 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 you quench the spirit of God and miracles don't flow because of your posture spiritually. In closing, the greatest example of passion is seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the most passionate person that ever walked this earth. He had so much passion that he humbled himself, became a man, submitting himself obediently to the father's will all the way to the death of the cross. He was so passionate that he said in Luke chapter two, verse forty nine. Why did you seek me? Look at his passionate statement. Jesus made Jesus made in Luke two two, two forty-nine, forty nine. Why did you seek me, mom and daddy? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? That's passion. Luke 4, 43 says, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. I must. John 4, 34, Jesus was so passionate until he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 9, 4, Jesus was so full of passion till he says, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. In the gospel of John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus is so full of passion until he says, I have glorified you on the earth, Father. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. He hung his head in the locks of his, of his shoulders on that cross and he what? He died. He died. He was buried. And then early Sunday morning he what? He rose. He rose from the, the dead. And God took delight in raising him up because he was so passionate to the Father's will. I once again introduce this question, reintroduce this question to you. Where? is your passion. And I pray you begin to search your own heart in light of what you have what you have just written on that sheet and say Lord search me deal with me renew passion. And perhaps others of you don't have passion because you don't have Jesus who can give you the passage. And for this we pray now. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you. We honor you We counted a joy to hear this word on passion in this new year because many under my voice have lost it by radio and television and even in this congregation under my voice today. And Father, this message is designed to get our attention, to wake us up so that you can strike that spiritual fire, fire us up, fire us up and give us a burning zeal that the devil and his host can't put out. And I pray that you do a new thing with us and through us. Oh, God, we cry out for passion right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, give us back what we lost. Get us out for use to and put us in the mode of what we are doing for you right now. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety,